Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcast episodes is to update CII members on developments and CII advocacy activities related to the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers the period from August 15th through September 17th. Let's start with the administration. On the morning of August 17th, President Trump tweeted that he asked the Securities and Exchange Commission to study changing required financial reporting for public companies from a quarterly system to reporting every six months. CII responded with a press release indicating that we believe that long-term investors benefit from quarterly reporting by public companies. We agreed with the views of many prominent investors, issuers, and academics that responded to the president's tweet by noting that more frequent financial reporting improves the efficiency of public markets, lessens market volatility, and reduces the temptation for insider trading that harms investor confidence. Later in the day, on the 17th, SEC Chairman Jay Clayton issued a statement indicating that the SEC's Division of Corporation Finance continues to study public company reporting requirements, including the frequency of reporting. CII recently released a podcast episode on the topic of quarterly reporting. On that episode, I interview Professor Saman Arif, an assistant professor of accounting at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Professor Arif discusses his recent research paper that examines the effects of the frequency of corporate financial reporting on investors and the capital markets. Turning now to the U.S. Congress, the president's tweet requesting that the SEC study quarterly reporting was not entirely unexpected given the recent lobbying activity on that issue. As I indicated on last month's financial regulation episode, in July, the House of Representatives passed by a vote of 406 to 4, the Jobs and Investor Confidence Act of 2018, or so-called Jobs Act 3.0. Of the 32 individual pieces of legislation contained in Jobs Act 3.0 was a bill sponsored by Representative Ann Wagner of the 2nd District of Missouri. The bill would require the SEC to report to Congress within 120 days on the cost and benefits of SEC Form 10-Q, the required quarterly reporting form for public companies. The United States Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, Urban Affairs, which is the committee that has jurisdiction over Jobs Act 3.0, has not yet taken any action with respect to that bill. If the Senate doesn't take any action on Jobs Act 3.0, such action will not likely occur until after the November elections. On September 5th, the Senate confirmed Alad Roseman for a seat on the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission by a vote of 85 to 14. The timing of the vote was somewhat unusual and that many observers, myself included, expected the vote to be delayed until it could be coupled with a vote on a Democratic nominee to fill the seat to be vacated by Commissioner Kara Stein. Commissioner Stein's term ended in 2017 and she will be required to resign her seat at the end of this Congress. Press reports from last month indicated that the president plans to nominate former SEC enforcement attorney Allison Lee to replace Commissioner Stein. The president, however, is yet to officially nominate Ms. Lee. I, however, believe the official nomination of Ms. Lee will soon occur and that the Senate will go through the confirmation process and confirm Ms. Lee before the end of this Congress. The faster-than-expected Senate vote on Commissioner Roseman will likely facilitate SEC rulemaking in the near term by having a full complement of five commissioners. Commissioner Roseman officially took a seat on the commission on September 11th after he was sworn in by Chairman Clayton. 
Also, with respect to the SEC, on August 17th, the Commission voted to adopt amendments to certain disclosure requirements for public companies that the SEC had viewed as becoming duplicative, overlapping, or outdated in light of other disclosure requirements. The final rule will require only modest changes in existing disclosure requirements and was generally responsive to CII's comments on the proposed rule. For example, CI raised concerns about proposed changes to eliminate certain SEC disclosure requirements for equity compensation plans. The final rule retains those disclosures and refers them to the Financial Accounting Standards Board for potential incorporation into U.S. generally accepted accounting principles. CII also raised concerns about proposed changes to eliminate certain SEC disclosure requirements for repurchase and reverse repurchase agreements. We argued that the lack of transparency regarding those agreements was a contributing factor to the global financial crisis. The final rule retained those disclosures and refers them to the Financial Accounting Standards Board for potential incorporation into U.S. GAAP. Finally, CII raised concerns about proposed changes to eliminate certain SEC disclosures relating to legal proceedings. We argued that the existing SEC and FASB disclosure requirements simply do not provide sufficient information necessary for investors to understand the nature and potential timing of any loss contingencies related to legal proceedings. The Commission decided to retain all of the existing SEC and FASB disclosures in this area and agreed with us that further consideration was warranted with respect to those requirements. Also, on the morning of September 13th, the Chief Counsel's Office of the SEC Division of Investment Management issued a statement indicating that they were withdrawing two no-action letters from 2004 relating to staff guidance about investment advisors' responsibilities in voting and retaining proxy advisory firms. The statement indicated that the letters were withdrawn to facilitate discussion at a planned November SEC public roundtable on the proxy process. Later, the same day, SEC Commissioner Robert Jackson stated, quote, The law governing investor use of proxy advisors is no different today than it was yesterday. The Commission has long recognized that proxy advisors, the companies that develop recommendations regarding how investors should vote on corporate questions, serve an important role in the shareholder voting process, and today's statements do nothing to change that, unquote. While withdrawing the two letters, the Commission left in place its 2014 guidance that established the expectation that investment advisors should monitor whether their proxy advisors exhibit the, quote, capacity and competency to adequately analyze proxy issues, unquote. CAI continues to support that guidance. The unexpected withdrawal of the 2004 no-action letters appears to have been motivated at least in part by an August 5th letter signed by six United States senators, including the chairman of the Senate Banking Committee. The letter issued to the Comptroller General of the U.S. Government Accountability Office requested that the GAO evaluate by November 5th whether the most recent of the 2004 no-action letters, the letter to ISS, was a, quote, rule, unquote, under the Congressional Review Act. The Congressional Review Act is a 1996 law that empowers Congress to review, by means of an expedited legislative process, new federal regulations issued by government agencies and by passage of a joint resolution to overrule the regulation. A decision by the GAO that the 2004 ISS no-action letter was a rule under the CRA might have established a precedent, potentially opening the door to expanding the application of the CRA to other SEC no-action letters. Also on September 13th, there was a meeting of the SEC Investor Advisory Committee. 
The IAC meeting included a panel discussion regarding the U.S. proxy voting infrastructure. CII's Executive Director Ken Birch participated on that panel. In his statement, which is available on CII's website, Ken indicated that the current proxy plumbing regime needs to be reformed to create a proxy voting system that is timely, accurate, transparent, and efficient. He explained that the current system of proxy voting is fraught with inefficiencies and a too large margin for error. He encouraged the SEC to explore the use of a blockchain-based voting system that would disseminate proxy materials and help manage vote allocation and authentication as well as vote execution and tabulation. Ken also urged the Commission to move forward on its 2016 proposal to allow the use of universal proxies in contested director elections. He explained that universal proxy cards would allow shareholders to split their tickets and vote for the combination of shareholder and management nominees that they believe best serve their economic interests. The confusion among institutional and individual investors that results from current multiple and incomplete ballots would be reduced through the use of universal proxy cards. That completes my financial regulation update. If you have any questions or comments regarding my remarks, please contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, thank you for listening and have a great day.